Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Staring down the speculum into the world of colposcopy, in this podcast we will explore the recent changes to the cervical screening programme and the impact that these changes have had on secondary and primary care. We will also discuss the appropriate referral criteria for colposcopy and highlight conditions that would be better served by a referral to general gynaecology instead. So welcome, I'm Camilla Janssen, a GP from the New Forest in Hampshire, and I'm pleased to have Ian Simpson with me today, who's a consultant gynaecologist running the colposcopy service in Basingstoke. So hello, Ian, and thank you for coming. Thank you very much for having me. So Ian, in November 2019, the cervical screening programme changed. I wondered if you could tell us a bit about that. So um, historically, cervical screening has been a cytology-based screening programme. So women being invited for smears, these smears would be assessed for cellular changes, which essentially involves looking down a microscope at a slide to see if there is dyscariosis, abnormality uh, at cellular level. Um, In about 2015, HPV triage was introduced. So smears that were graded as a low-grade change um, were assessed for the presence of HPV. Um, and if HPV was present, these ladies would be referred to colposcopy alongside all the high-grade abnormalities. But any low-grade uh, HPV negative smear would be sent back to a routine recall, so it would be deemed as a normal smear. Um, for us in 2019, primary HPV screening uh, came on board, and this now involves smears being assessed primarily for the presence of HPV. And an HPV negative smear is normal um, and that's the end of that assessment on that smear and the lady will be returned back to her routine screening without cytology assessment. Um, If the smear is positive for HPV then cytology is undertaken um, and any dyscariosis identified and graded and sent to us on an appropriate referral. This does give you an extra group of results which are the ladies who will have a smear which is HPV positive, but cytology negative. So these wouldn't have traditionally existed on the old screening programme because they wouldn't have had the HPV test in the first place. And these smears will then be repeated at 12 months. Um, and again, if they still remain HPV positive, or obviously if there's any cytology change, regardless, they will be referred into colposcopy. Lovely, thank you. So I think we, uh, we as GPs are obviously seeing the cytology reports and so the HPV negatives and the HPV positives with the um, recall that's brought forward as a result of that appropriate to what was found on cytology. Um, so it's just to be aware of the cytology reporting has changed. Um, so I also wondered about inadequate smears Sometimes you may get an inadequate or unavailable HPV report. What would we do in, with respect to that? So the, the, I mean, the screening programme should, um, in their report, and when they write out to the, to the lady, uh, explain that it is inadequate and ask them to rebook a repeat smear in three months, as was happening with cytology. Um, because there is the potential of the smear being tested for cytology, it needs to be repeated no sooner than three months um, so that you don't have smears taken too close together, which obviously impacts the potential result. Um, so that hasn't particularly changed, other than it will probably then say 
rather than inadequate cytology, um, inadequate or unavailable um, HPV. Thank you. And I presume after a baby, you still need to wait six months for a smear as stands at the um, previously. Yeah, so there's no change to any of the other um, the recall or invitation standards. The age of screening currently is still the same, although that may change. Um, and yes, any, any surrounding pregnancy, those standards still exist. And have you seen an impact on secondary care as a result of the change in the cytology screening programme? So all of the models that came from the original pilot sites, um, such as Sheffield, showed a real a massive increase in the referral rates to colposcopy as a result. Now, this is expected to occur at about the 24 to 36 month mark following the introduction. So locally, where this was introduced in November 2019, um, we're not quite at the 24 month mark, but we're not far off. And our rates are definitely increasing. Um, we anticipate locally quite a, a significant increase in the number of referrals that we will get through. Um, we've estimated that equates to about three extra clinics every week just for smear referrals. So from a colposcopy service point of view, this is quite a daunting um, time because um, we're expecting a massive surge um, in the numbers coming through. And we're already starting to see that. We're not quite at the peak yet, but it, it, it's, uh, it's coming. Wow. That, 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 that's um, quite worrying. Um, yeah. So the colposcopy service outside of the cervical screening program, what is appropriate for a GP to refer into the colposcopy service? So I think what we've got to remember here is that colposcopy is a service that is there to look for microscopic changes. So we're looking for precancerous and potentially cancerous changes to the cervix. The screening program in the UK is a fantastic screening service um, and rates of cervical cancer are very low um, because we have a service that that, um, that screens for it. So most ladies with an abnormality will be referred directly through screening. I think if there is concern from in primary care that a, a lady may have a cancerous or precancerous abnormality, then that's appropriate to refer. One of the issues we have in colposcopy is also the standards that are set upon us uh, in terms of timing of referrals. So within screening referrals, there are only two referral pathways, and that is an urgent referral, which is two week, which for a screened uh, referral would be a high grade abnormality, or six weeks, which is a low grade um, abnormality, or things such as repeated inadequate smears. Um, the same standard is applied to primary care referrals, or what we term as clinical referrals. So if you're making a referral into to, um, to colposcopy, it will either have to be treated as a two-week referral or a six-week referral. And we term them as either um, urgent clinical or non-urgent clinicals. Um, and the kind of things that we really expect to be seeing from a two-week referral to so an urgent referral would be the ladies that, as with any other two-week service, where you have a feeling that this lady could have a cervical cancer. And in reality, Again, if you look at the referral criteria as a two-week wall pathway, certainly for us locally, that is a, an, a, a visible abnormality of the cervix, so a destructive lesion of the cervix. There's often a lot of talk about postcoital bleeding. 
um, as a as a possible sign of um, cervical cancer. Now, in women who are screened, and we've audited all of the data locally, looking back through all of our clinical referrals, women with a normal screening history with postcoital bleeding never have a, a, a cervical abnormality. We we just don't find them. Um, they're more likely to have things such as ectropians. So if you are seeing ladies with um, a, an up-to-date screening history with a normal-looking cervix with postcoital bleeding, it, it isn't a cervical cancer, and that lady doesn't need a two-week referral. So the two-week referrals probably really should just be women with, who visibly have an abnormality of the cervix on examination. And you don't need a colposcope to see cervical cancer. Um, the other group that probably fall into that category are the unscreened women. And again, if you look at all of our local data for the ladies that we, we audit with cervical cancer, these are almost always women who have not been through screening. And sadly, these are mostly women who've defaulted on the screening programme. So our local criteria for referral to colposcopy um, generally is women outside of screening with signs or symptoms that could be cervical cancer. Um, and, and the decision whether to refer them as a two or a six week, I think if you've got an obvious lesion and they're certainly not screened, I think it's totally appropriate to refer them as a two week urgent referral. If they are outside of screening and they have persisting postcoital bleeding, but the cervix looks normal, I still think it's appropriate to send them to colposcopy because they don't have any fallback cytology or smear assessment to, to, to fall back on. And, uh, but they can be referred as a six week. If the cervix looks normal, we're not going to find cancer, but these women also haven't been screened. So again, these are defaulters, or again, we see a lot of women pre-cervical screening, so women under the age of 25 with recurrent postcoital bleeding. Um, and even if there's feeling that that may be an ectropion, that lady probably still needs colposcopic assessment, particularly if you're gonna offer them cautery, because personally, I wouldn't offer somebody cervical cautery who hadn't been screened without knowing that I looked colposcopically and even potentially biopsy before I did that. Because you might miss even a low-grade lesion um, that, okay, you wouldn't treat, but might change how you would manage them or whether you would even offer them cautery in the first place. Okay, so that, that's very clear. Thank you. But um, what about a patient that's over 25 who's had regular screening has got a large ectropion and is having postcoital bleeding, would that be appropriate then to send to the general gynaecology clinic or to colposcopy? So, I mean, practice does vary amongst units, and I suspect most of the colposcopy, colposcopy units around the country are feeling the, the strain of the change of HPV. Um, and traditionally, we have seen these ladies, if it's a large ectropion, it's not wrong necessarily to send them, but actually, in reality, they are just as well served in a general gynaecology clinic. Um, there is a debate about the best way of treating um, ectropians and whether cervical cautery is really an effective way of, of treating these things in the first place. Um, but I would very, be very comfortable with these being, ladies being referred to a general gynaecology clinic. And if they're then seen by a non-colposcopist um, who is uncomfortable with the appearance of the cervix and wants a colposcopic assessment, then we would see them as an internal referral through to the colposcopy clinic. But in reality, with a normal smear, if it's an ectropion and the symptom is postcoital bleeding that, that we need to manage, then that can be done through any clinic and doesn't need to come through colposcopy. 
Okay. And um, there's been some local debate about polyps that are found on um, routine smears by the nurses. Should we be sending those into the general gynecology clinic or into the colposcopy clinic? I mean, again, rule of thumb is they're general gynaecology. We see most of those through general gynaecology. They don't really need to come to colposcopy unless there's something else that worries you in the, the, the history. Um, and maybe that may be uh, someone that's had a, hasn't been up to date with their smears. But a lot of these, as you say, are ladies that have come through the screening, come to, the, to their smear, and this is where the polyps identified. I think it's very appropriate to send them to uh, general gynaecology. Um, if you are waiting for the smear to come back and obviously the smear comes back as an abnormality, that woman will get automatically redirected to colposcopy. So, and that, that turnaround's pretty quick. So if they're waiting, however long it is to come and see in a routine general gynecology clinic and their smear comes back suddenly with a high grade dyscariosis, they'll be seen within colposcopy in two weeks. That will trump that, that general gyne referral. Um, so generally, Polyps just need to go to general gynaecology. You don't need a colposcope to look at the polyp. Um, and all we're going to do is take it off and send it to the lab. Great. Thank you. Um, so in summary, really, we're looking for the cervical screening results, the HPV positive and negative rather than the cytology results. The patients will be informed of the recall time um, of when to have a repeat smear. Um, with colposcopy referrals, if they have had up-to-date screening, then it's very unlikely to find anything more for, from colposcopy. So we should not be sending them in for colposcopy for that reason, and the polyps should go to the general gynaecology, but obviously have a low threshold to refer people that are under 25 that haven't or that haven't um, partaken in the, the, the cervical screening programme and to send them for colposcopy if they are symptomatic with postcoital bleeding. And obviously anyone with a potential cervical lesion, then we're obviously fast tracking that to the cells. But having done um, gynecology for a long time in the GP setting, I haven't seen one in 20 years. So I think they are few and far between. Um, That's right. And we audit all of our data uh, and we are required Again, as another standard to, to, to audit all cervical cancers that come through the service. And so we've got quite a lot of data to pull back on that, that actually says the screening programme does work. And I, and I think having discussed this with, with some local GPs, there's sometimes a bit of concern about, and I think there's often a message that, that if someone comes with a symptom that could be cancer, then don't rely on the screening programme. Um, but I think cervical screening is a little bit different from that. Um, and generally... If they are up to date with their screening and the cervix looks normal, then it's normal. And, and do you have any advice for people that have a normal cervix, a normal looking cervix, are up to date with their cervical screening, but complain of postcoital bleeding? So we get quite a lot of this. And um, as I say, we, we don't find very much cervically. Obviously, there are ectropins that you might find that, um, that potentially you could cauterize. But a lot of it actually is really dysfunctional uterine bleeding. So um, it's an instability of the endometrium that is shed during the act of having intercourse. Um, and often that should really be treated in the same way that any other dysfunctional uterine bleeding is treated with the same um, 
treatment options, whether that's um, change to a contraceptive, initiation of contraceptive, uh, insertion of myrena coils. But if it is a, um, a persisting thing, then, then referring them into general gynecology for assessment of endometrial polyps or, or hyperplasia is, is, is completely appropriate. Um, uh, if, it, if the cervix looks normal, then, then I always sort of think if, if the cervix looks normal, if there's no abrasion on the cervix, then the cervix can't physically bleed. Um, so it, in that case, it's much more likely to be coming from higher up. We have also, looking back through some of our audit data, particularly in the younger women, um, found uh, a few chlamydia positive results, um, because obviously that is another reason for persistent postcoital bleeding, particularly in the under 25. So just making sure that those women have had um, STD screens. That is a good point. Thank you. So are there any um, parting comments for GPs who, that you think would help the service? Um, I think I mean, a couple of comments. What I would say as well is one of the other things that we've noticed and that um, this might come through in primary care as well and potentially also to the, to the practice nurses um, is that obviously we're now using a test which essentially is looking for a virus which is in reality a sexually transmitted virus. Um, so a lot of women, there's a lot of anxiety uh, regarding the screening uh, results, uh, particularly where these ladies will get a positive HPV test, but cytology negative, that they, in essence, are almost being told that they have an STD. Um, and it's partly it's about um, how that result is explained. And obviously, they will get information with the, the smear results, but, uh, but um, I suspect that there will be some ladies that are quite worried about that and may well come to to primary care or to STD GUM clinics uh, for checkups worried um, that they've caught a, a, an STD. Um, so I think it's probably preparing for that. I suspect you'll see much more of that in primary care. And on, um, on that note, can you expand on what we should be telling patients about HPV, how prevalent it is, how quickly it is cleared from the system? So... Um, how I normally explain to ladies that come through colposcopy, because they are all by definition HPV positive, is to say, look, this is an STD by definition. However, it's one we will have. So um, other than the vaccinated population, almost all of us will have HPV at some point in our life. And about 85% of the world's population at some point will carry the HPV virus. Um, so it is a normal thing. It is not associated with any other STDs. Um, it doesn't increase your risk of having an STD. The other group that's important actually is smokers. So we know that smokers are more likely to have persisting HPV. Um, and in the vast majority of ladies within a year, we expect the HPV to have disappeared from the system and not be detectable. It doesn't mean though that the HPV can't come back because this is the other uh, issue that we now have while we're screening for HPV is that a lady that has a screen which is HPV negative, may in three years' time have a screen that suddenly is positive for HPV. Um, and the difficulty there is, particularly if these are ladies in long-term relationships, is they are then being told that they are now positive for a virus they didn't have three years ago. And I often use the analogy of varicella or chickenpox, in that if we've had chickenpox as a child, we still have it. That's why we get shingles, but it's just not detectable. Um, so it will often lie dormant, but can flare up again at various points in, in time. Um, but that's, that's often sort of quite a lot of concern from ladies is that they, 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 they worry, and I'm always very quick to point out that they don't need to go home and start um, 
uh, asking any difficult questions of their other halves as to why they're suddenly testing positive for, for HPV. Lovely. Well, thank you. I think that's been really informative. I think that's answered a lot of my questions that I've had uh, regarding the changes in the um, cervical screening programme and colposcopy referral. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been, uh, it's been really helpful. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.